Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Miss Francis! Pleasure it is to see you. Oh, Merry Christmas, Bob Cratchit. <laughs> a Merry Christmas to you, too. We hear a knock at the door. <laughs> oh, a knock at the door. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hey. Whoa. I'm a film hunter. And I'm a Wayne Stellini. And welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. Welcome to our Fred Watch Christmas spatula. No, wait. <laughs> our Fred Watch Witch Cronky Spattle. <laughs> Today, we are reviewing Mischief Theatre Company's A Christmas Carol Goes Wrong. Tell us about it, Janet. <laughs> In 2017, after being blacklisted by the BBC for their previous year's catastrophic performance of Peter Pan, the Cornley Polytechnic Drama Society hijacks a production of A Christmas Carol to prove their troops' prowess and worth. However, the show inevitably goes wrong, with Chris Henry Shields and Robert Henry Lewis arguing over the role of Scrooge, Annie Nancy Zammer getting glued to various props, the set crumbling around them, and poor Dennis, Jonathan Sayer, as Bob Cratchit, who cannot remember his lines to save his life. And of course, Trevor the stagehand, Chris Leesk, just can't get out of the spotlight. <laughs> Wayne, how much of A Christmas Carol Goes Wrong went right for you? Well, Philip, this is definitely one of those cases where everything is oh so right because everything is oh so wrong. <laughs> you know what? I may not have always laughed out loud through this, but I had a smile on my face pretty much from the get-go. There's just this gorgeous charm about yeah. it because I think it's just channeling all the, for lack of a better word, gorgeous elements of low-key community <laughs> independent yeah. theatre where you've got people who are just giving it their all yeah. and it doesn't matter what goes wrong the show must go on it must go on she'll be right on the night <laughs> and you've got like how you've mentioned the petty squabbles of yeah. who, who's going to be in the spotlight and <laughs> you've just got that gorgeous stage hand <laughs> Played by Chris Leesk, who can't stay out of the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, and at first you feel it's he's just trying to subtly repair the scenery as it's going along so that nobody will notice that it's falling apart around them. And then it just gradually turns into something a bit more, I'm here, people. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what, Phil? Um, a, a lot of things went right. Yes. <laughs> With A Christmas Carol Goes Wrong. So this sort of humour can quite quickly turn into like really cringy, uh, predictable. It can get tired. You're not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of the gags, to, to some degree, you would argue, are just the same gags throughout. Mm. They're presented differently, mm. but they're always effective. So this troop, this the actual troop mm. of uh, 
Mischief Theatre. Yes. Have done several different shows. They've had a TV series. They've done lots of theatre. Mm. So the first time I saw them was actually in a show called The Play That Goes Wrong. Mm. Now, their actual first show they ever did as this sort of uh, idea, mm. this sort of... I don't know what I want to call it. This this trope, this... Um, in this series, yeah, <laughs> um, was Peter Pan goes wrong, right? And obviously, they do the the beloved children's narrative of Peter Pan, yeah, and of course, everything <laughs> goes wrong. So the one we, my partner and I, Kirsten saw was um, the play that goes wrong, and it's set in sort of a nineteen um, twenties Clue, so you know mm. that sort of murder mystery who done it sort of thing. But you really don't care about who done it in the end because no. <laughs> it's all about the fact that they've got this two. They've they've actually got a split level scene where they've got an upstairs and a downstairs, and all of a sudden, upstairs falls on an angle. So they're trying <laughs> desperately to continue doing this. And as you said, the show must go on. Yeah, there is at no point, especially in this again with this show, there is no point where someone will get knocked out. They don't stop to go, okay, we're, 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 we're. They, they continue saying their lines to an un, unconscious body. It's so true. And I think what the beauty of this is, is that, yes, some of the jokes are predictable, but it's the there's a charm and a delight in going... Oh, something's about to happen. What's going to happen? And you're almost in your head taking bets with yourself. Is it A, the coffin's going to break? B, they're going <laughs> to drop the coffin? C, the... But on top of that, just to round that little bit off, the gags are always just one step above what you are thinking. Yeah. Anytime there's a gag that is obvious that the show knows you are going to know something's about to happen, mm. they'll just go that one step above so that you're still taken by surprise. Yeah, like one of the early examples for me is when uh, you know, Trevor appears in the window to glue the, the picture of, of, of Scrooge that's sort of fallen mm. down. He's there in the window. The actors are still going on like he's not there. He knocks a gun over, so he puts glue on that to put on the wall. And, and then Annie's sort of holding it and then it's suddenly now her hand yeah <laughs> it's glued to it and then that escalates because she's touching the child's head and you know just keeps going and going and going so i think things like that it's you know when he's there at the window <laughs> pasting that picture up you don't expect that setup to carry on for as long as it does. Yeah. Like, it has this knock-on effect, and it's done really well, I oh, think. Oh, certainly. So, yeah, I agree. Like, a lot of those elements are, I go, oh, yeah, someone's playing with glue, clearly something's <laughs> going to get stuck. Yes, it does, but it's not just the one thing. There's a tiny little clever bit in that as well that mm. I obviously can't confirm mm. because I'm not their writer. Yeah. But I have a funny feeling that's a tiny homage to Chekhov's gun. Oh, yeah. So those who don't know, Chekhov's gun is the theory that if you have something in a scene that is drawn to, you need to use that thing. Yeah. So if you've got a gun, Chekhov's gun, and you have it, you know, someone pull out their, their pistol and put it on the table in scene one, by scene five, it needs to have shot someone. Yeah, because Chekhov says, 
Unless you're going to use it, don't bother putting it in. That's it, exactly. And it's very poignant, I think, these days as well, just as a side tangent, these days specifically, because there's a lot of movies that have, and TV shows, I'm watching Doctor Who at the moment, Mm. and it is just full of, you can tell they've had to slice the uh, script up, Mm. because it is just full of plot holes, full of uh, loose ends, full of Chekhov's guns that have not gone off. Okay. And I know there's still a few uh, episodes left. I don't think they're going off. Oh, okay. I really don't think that it's happening. Update um, us next next Christmas. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the point being, with this, they have this gun and it's to her hand. And at the nearing the end of the play, it's actually used as a plot point to allow them to get the food that they need and they don't have the money. Yeah. So it's essentially gone off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just that tiny little nod. And I think that is sort of points towards the grander thing of how well this writing is, how mm. good this writing is. Because you could sit there and just put a load of amateur mistakes or yeah. look, slapstick together, yeah. but this does it in such a cohesive it's almost like the slapstick itself is its own poetry. Yeah, this feels very much elevated mm. from... Like, they go for the the basic. It's almost like, you know, you go for the lowest denominator and then you put yeah. things in for the high and some people do the other way around. Mm. They, you know, you do highbrow stuff, but you have to add in, mm. you know, mm. gags that people who don't get highbrow stuff understand but this just seems to it has a foundation mm. that we are familiar with and just elevates it but it elevates it all the way through yeah so, like and i don't know what it is but feel for example like that gag you referred to earlier about you know the coffin mm. and we can see that you know the actor is away yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's not you know somebody who isn't very convincing as, yeah. a, as a dead body and then uh, he falls through the coffin and they're like um um okay we'll lower the coffin in the hole because that's what you do and then as we're paying our respects we're just gonna kick him in the hole subtly (laughs) it's just this continued elevation and you could argue that you could see all that coming but for some reason it feels incredibly fresh Mm. i don't know there is i guess because for an extreme gag it's played quite subtly. That's it. I think that it's got a very Buster Keaton feel. I, yeah, I honestly feel they're... The they're, they're Buster they're, Keaton. That's it. Yeah. And I honestly feel these guys are, have read the ha- Buster Keaton handbook. Yeah. Uh, Amaging to him because you're right. It is that subtlety mm. in the extreme. Yeah. One of the ones I remember of Buster Keaton um, that I love. Just a tiny little thing. But he's running away from these people mm. and he jumps on the back of a car, on the, the back tyre of on the back of a car. Mm. The car drives off, but the tyre's still there. <laughs> and he just sort of looks around and then just sort of walks off frame. Yes. And it's just so good. Similarly, there's a really famous gag with Buster Keaton where he's standing in front of a house and the mm. whole facade falls forward and he's just like there through the open door or window stands perfectly still and then just moves on yeah and it's nuts nuts. (laughs) but that's why it's so brilliant it's simple and I think this is the same and I think they get that Mm. through the fact again we come back to it the show must go on that is the running theme of this yes because 
you're getting kicked into a grave. Yeah. Well, you can't complain about that <laughs> because you're a dead body and you're meant to be quiet. Yes. And do you know what? It's the these actors, and I'm not talking about the actors, it's the characters of yeah, actors yeah. are trying so hard to be professional yes. because they really want to deliver. And it's almost like when you want something so badly, you're more likely to stuff it up <laughs> because you've got this internalized pressure um, that you're putting on yourself. So even that I think is actually really clever and really well done. Mm. Like there are moments and yes, you know, obviously this is made for TV. So we've got angles and so forth mm. that, we wouldn't have if we were sitting in a theater but for a lot of it i felt like i was sitting in a theater yes. watching a legitimate production just go through the motions mm. and trying to pull it off and because they're failing miserably in front of you it makes them all the more charming and lovable. You want them to succeed. Yeah. And I think that was one of the reasons why I was smiling all the way through this. And definitely, you could, you're could. you right, you can see their theatre training in this. And, and again, having seen them on stage, again, I think I saw, we saw the Australian cast, mm-hmm. which was um, surprised to find later on. Yeah. Because, side note, the Australian cast looks uh, Kirsten turned around after we saw a few of the others uh, of their this series that they have mm. a goes wrong series I'm like oh they're brilliant they're great I loved seeing them in when we saw them and Kirsten was like no that was the Australian cast so I actually had to get the uh, program out <laughs> look it up I'm like oh wow it really is they they got people looked exactly like so the it British. felt quite authentic that's it but to get back to the point that you see them on stage it's one thing to see it filmed see stunts filmed mm. because your brain goes oh they probably set took half hour to set that up or whatever to see the same stunts happening live on stage mm. yeah and you know that they rehearsed them but it's different to do it live oh absolutely there's no second take there's no second <laughs> take there's no oh well, let's get a fancy camera angle to yeah. make this it's oh wow they just fell from a second story. <laughs> yeah. And do you know what the funny thing is, Philip? In a show like that, that you're watching live, if something didn't go to plan, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. <laughs> no, no, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and we, again, get elements of that here because it is very much, show must go on. Yeah. Let's try to be professional. Let me try to read my lines on props <laughs> and set pieces. Oh, it's so cute. My favourite running gag. Like, it's, yeah... It's Bob Cratchit and Trevor the Stagehand have to be my favourites here. Just... (laughs) I just love it. Just walking around the set, trying to find the next line. And don't get me started on that coin, where it was either yes or no and didn't know what he was doing. But bouncing off his co-stars and they trying to recover and repair his fumbling so that they can get back on track to deliver the show really funny and stuff that happens in real theater legitimate theater the most professional of productions is especially if you know a play really well when an actor's missed lines or missed their cues it puts their colleague on the spot they've got a second to respond and to repair and to keep on going until you get your script mentally back on track 
and continue on. So I love that that little moment with the coin of the yes and the no. Mm. It, it reminded me of that, of like, okay, you've screwed over your colleague now because you're not sticking to the script because <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. They're trying to rescue you without making it look yeah. like they're trying to rescue you. So very nicely done. I also have a very soft spot for um, Max, mm-hmm. played by Dave Hearn. He is in the continuity of the uh, sort of the world they've built. Mm. He is such a beautiful character. So he he will walk on stage, mm. say his line, have the applause, but he's the one that will turn to the audience and, and do a bow <laughs> mid <laughs> mid monologue. And he's always got this goofy grin. It oh. is. So so good. Yeah, it's sweet. What I loved about him in this is that because they had him... So he's the one that thought his girlfriend mm. was going to break up with him. Yeah, very sweet. So to have this goofy, smiley character all of a sudden, morose and miserable <laughs> yeah. on stage, I thought was a really nice twist. For those of us who have watched a few of the shows mm. now, I can't say I'm any sort of connoisseur or uh, professional out of them yet, uh, uh, diehard, anything, but I'm definitely getting there. Yeah, <laughs> I think you absolutely are. Also, have to shout out Robert, played by Henry Lewis. Mm-hmm. He's larger-than-life lead actor <laughs> who absolutely want, literally wants to steal the show. Yeah. <laughs> Again, in the, the outside, in the other series is... It's the same rivalry. So you have Chris, played by Henry Shields, and uh, Robert, who are always fighting outside of this. Uh, Chris is usually the director slash producer slash lead actor. Yeah. As a couple of producers who (laughs) know what it's like to try to work with pretentious actors. Mm -hmm. Can you just imagine (laughs) if I decided to be the writer, actor... Uh, director <laughs> Philip, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, we all know how it uh, yeah. turns out. Would not work. Would not work. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of egos at play here. Oh yes. But one thing you can't deny is they all want what's best for the show. Yes. And then you've got about half who just really also want what's best for themselves. Yes. <laughs> but on that same note, they always seem to put in one actor who wants to just be serious mm. be like be that they're the ones who are 100 percent uh, committed 100 percent just sticking with it nothing really goes wrong for them directly they're the ones that get copped with other people's misfortune they pick up the pieces they pick up the pieces yeah. and I think in this one, it would have to be Sandra, played by Charlie Russell. Mm. She absolutely was... So she, she she plays the collector at the start who's like, so will you give me my, your coin? No. <laughs> so you don't want to give to Charlie? Yeah. Yes. I get, yeah. And so she's trying desperately to be just serious again. She's uh, Mrs. Cratchit <laughs> being set on by Robert... She very much, I think, was one of the ones that 
nothing actually happened that wasn't something that someone else thrust upon her. Yeah. And I think they have that in every show, well, one person. And do you know what? That's like all great comedy, they've got the straight man. Yes. You know, so we've it. got that here. That's yeah. it. And they're, they're always the ones that I tend to like as well because I think that they really ground the story and they ground the show and the gags as well because when we're watching comedies like this where everyone is engaged in buffoonery we don't want to think of ourselves to be that inept yeah. right so we tend to relate to the straight person because like no we're the one yeah. <laughs> we've got yeah. our head screwed on properly like this character here and yeah you know because we're always surrounded by idiots we're never the idiot ourselves <laughs> no, right that's it. so straight person is really important mm. in, in comedy so um, absolutely certainly. going for that shout out yeah most certainly I think one of the things I want to talk about a little bit more are the actual stunts mm. because as far as I can tell from interviews etc they do their own stunts mm. and the stunts and the failing props and the crumbling sets are almost a character unto themselves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one could argue that, like how you said, you know, the crumbling sets and, and the failing props, absolutely a, a, another character because they're a representation of the actors as well mm. who don't have their shit together yeah. <laughs> you know so no ma- makes perfect sense and it's the set itself and and set pieces and props they're the world yeah so that's the world that we're in so if that world is failing no wonder the people within it are also failing <laughs> so yeah it's there's a harmony as yes. there always should be yes. between set and, and the characters. But we see it so beautifully here. Mm. But also, you know, as, as things aren't working for the actors in terms of uh, set pieces or props and, uh, or the set itself, they're still trying to hold it up, you know, yeah. to, to make sure this show continues. So, yeah, it does, it does um, dictate that the cast have to be on their toes. And I think all that wonderful theatre training as well. Yes. You know, especially in shows like this, I can't imagine you would have stunt doubles on stage. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's that physicality mm. uh, that seems to be the, the, the hallmark of, of, this, of this troupe and of this, of this series here. Mm. Yeah, most certainly. So, Wayne. Yes. Final thoughts and score out of five. Well, this was really entertaining for me. And it's the first exposure I've had to the, the Goes Wrong team. <laughs> like, because I'd heard of the, the play that goes wrong. Mm. I remember thinking, wow, what an exciting premise. But I never got <laughs> to see it on stage when it played in Melbourne. So thank you for bringing this to me, Phil. This was yeah. a lot of fun. I can see a list of names here <laughs> that I'm uh, becoming a fan of already through this <laughs> one exposure. So A Christmas Carol Goes Wrong, really entertaining, really fun. I think that this will be, if it isn't already, should be a, a Christmas favourite. I think <laughs> it, it's, it, it's quite engaging that way. Comparing this to another Christmas Carol that we reviewed <laughs> a few years ago, it was our first Christmas special yep. with the, the Muppets, the beautiful Muppets. <laughs> 
it's kind of nice to see this traditional story being parodied almost yeah. in these two different ways. And, you know, it's, it's a good story to, as a basis mm. to, uh, to create a comedy around because it is familiar and so much happens that, yes, you can easily create a lot of mistakes around we'll, it. We'll have to watch a uh, legit version eventually. We will. <laughs> and, and we might find it boring. Yeah, <laughs> well, like, yeah. Where are the gags? That's it, yeah. <laughs> But no, this was a lot of fun. I do like the humour. I do wonder, though, if this was, say, a feature length of 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. So essentially double of what we've got here. Yeah. If it could sustain it, I do wonder. Now, to be honest, Mm. I don't think it could. I don't think it could either. Which is why they didn't. Yeah. If that makes sense. I don't think the uh, 50-minute runtime is... Because, oh, that's all the time we had, mm. folks. I honestly think that's... They knew, you know, this just needs to be a nice short special. Yeah. When it's on stage, it's so much different because you're seeing it live. You're feeling the energy. It feels more attractive. That's it. Yeah. So that's where they got their full stage, mm. you know, an hour and a half or whatever it went for. Yeah. No, so... But I, my instinct was that as well. I... I, I don't particularly think that this could be sustained, say, at double its length. Yeah, no. So I think the choices were made. And yeah. also with comedy, as you know, Philip, and you know better than I do, it, <laughs> it is all about timing. It's mm. about the beats. It's about being really punchy and snappy because sometimes it's tempting to draw a gag out for too long. Yeah. Um, and sometimes those drawn out gags can be effective, but as far as I'm concerned, you only get one yeah. <laughs> in a show because they can test the patience. Everything falls into place here yeah. quite well, I think. Chris Bleesk, I'm in love with you. You are absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Jonathan Sayer, really good mm. <laughs> as well. They were the highlights for me. Yeah. Um, There's a lot to enjoy out of this. I feel like we're going to be revisiting this another Christmas, <laughs> another one, and another one. This was a lot of fun. So, Phil, thank you once again for giving me a brand new Christmas title <laughs> to enjoy. So, went wrong, but it also went very right. Four out of five from me. Nice. Yourself, Phil? Yeah, look, ditto to everything. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love the performance. I love the energy that they have. I love that... They were able to bring their backstory and all their little stuff that... What I'm trying to say is that a lot of shows, when they're a series first mm. or, or, or something else first, and then they bring the movie, they try desperately to show all the little bits and pieces mm. so that mm. uh, the, the person that got dragged along who's <laughs> not uh, the diehard fan can sort of catch up. Yeah. And a lot of movies fail when they do that. Mm. This, in a matter of five sentences in two minutes, Mm -hmm. was able to let us know at the very beginning who's what, why they're there, how they're going to interact with each other, and go. Yeah. And uh, just so good. Mm. It did it so well. And uh, to be honest, they did it by just being blunt, by Mm. just being straight up showing you who the characters in two dimensions are. Let's build the three dimensions later. Right now they're 2D. Let's go. Yeah. And I absolutely adored that because I think that's something writers shy away from because yeah. we're like, oh no, you you got to build these things slowly and you got to give the audience. No, sometimes the audience just needs to be like, right, 
filling you in. This guy's this like this. That guy's like that. They're in love. Go. <laughs> and you know what? You don't need to even unload all of that exposition in the beginning. You pick up certain mm. things. Like even in a show like this, these characters have depths. You know, you've got rivalries. So mm. you know about egos. You've got love story. You've got potential betrayal. And then you've just got actors just trying to put a show together. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as you're watching, the depth happens. So 100% and perfectly spot on. Correct. <laughs> I'm the same with you. I love the actors in mm. this. I love... I honestly could not see any of this without each and every one of them. Mm. Some shows you watch and you go, oh, yeah, they're the lead or yeah. they're the this. But they're all the leads in their own little subplots, which I think is perfect. Yeah, Nobody outshines everyone else, even though, like, Maybe literally there are some of the actors that... But again, they're only outshining them because that's it's almost like that's what the script said, which is yeah. perfect, which is in a good way. Yeah, This is comedy done right. Mm. Just uh, as cliche as it is at this point, this is comedy done right. This is exactly what comedy is meant to be. Mm. For me, this is five out of five. Yeah, nice one, mate. Nice one. Well, mate... I wish you a very Merry Christmas. And to you too, mate. Thank you. And to all of our beautiful listeners too. Can't yes. wait for you to join us in the new year. In the new, new year. Yes. <sighs> it's been a tough one. <laughs> it has been. Meanwhile, but... I've been a film hunting. And I've been a Wayne Stellini. And, and you've, you've just, just experienced, experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. <laughs> companies today we're reviewing the mischief theater company today we're reviewing uh mischief theater companies no no you're how you've got it's perfect mischief theater yeah. companies uh, yep cool yeah. i'll go from the top <clears throat> top top or just your top uh my top okay welcome to our friend now i'm gonna get actual fucking bloopers <laughs> well this merry- is not the real this is it <laughs> merry christmas <laughs> Well, for at least it's the appropriate special for yeah. it. <laughs> in 2017, after being blacklisted by the BBC for their previous year's catastrophic... Catastrophic? Catastrophic. Ow. Ow. Sorry, I just stumbled over the word. 
In 2017, after being blacklisted by the BBC for their previous year's catastrophic performance of Peter Pan, the Cornley Polytech... <laughs> the set crumbling around them, and poor Dennis, Jonathan Sayer, as Bob Cratchit, who cannot remember his lines... Son of a bitch. <laughs> Where can I go from? That's a hell of a sentence, Philip. Yeah, it is long. That's okay. Can... Mm. Would you kill me if I said go from however? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. However, the show inevitably goes wrong with Chris Hen... However, the show inevitably goes wrong with Chris, Henry Shields, and Robert, Henry Lewis, arguing over the role of Scrooge. And Annie. Ah, oh, it's Annie. 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 <laughs> Say it like that. <laughs> Judge our Binks. Oh, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> Annie! <laughs> I'm so sorry, Annie! I, you know what? Even when you said Judge our Binks, I didn't make the connection that he was about talking about Anakin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not even make the connection. <laughs> Annie! I'm all sparkly glowing! <laughs> <laughs> Please give that character his own spin-off movie. <laughs> Please. It's um, Robot Chicken. <laughs> and of course, Trevor the Stagehand, Chris Lass... Oh, I didn't even bother to check that. Lassick? Lisek? Lisek? Lisek. Lisek. Lisek, Lisek, Lisek. And of course, Trevor the... Ooh, come oh, it would have been... It, it's S, it's straight to S to K, like Lesk, 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 Lesk. Should Let's we go Google it? Yeah, of course we should. It's quarter past ten at night. Of course we're giggling, Lesk. <laughs> I know. I am a cider drinker. I drink all me troubles away. Who are worry? Who are worry? Chris Leesk and I played a Leesk. part of everything. Leesk, yep. Cool. At least that one was easy to yep. Google. Yeah. <laughs> Leesk. And of course, Trevor... And of course... And of course, Trevor the stagehand, Chris Leesk... Well, Philip, this is definitely one of those cases where you go... Um, everything went oh so right... I'll start that again. Yeah. <laughs> Do you need a lead in? No, I'm okay. You know what? I think I was okay before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is such a beautiful character. So he, he's, he, he will walk on. So, and, and, okay, sorry. I'll explain and then I'll explain. Mm. It's the same rivalry. Mm. So um, you have um, Derek. They all want what's best for the show. Yes. And then you've got about half who just really also want what's best for themselves. Yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, sorry, go on. No, I'm finished. Did you have anything else on that? No, okay. I think one of the things I want to touch base on a bit more 
You can't touch base a bit more. <laughs> you know, it's that physicality mm. uh, that seems to be the 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 hallmark of of this of this troop and of this of this series here. Mm. Yeah, most certainly. Um, let's pause just for a second. Yeah. What, what time are we up to? Um, it's about half an hour. We can go another. Yeah. Ten, we'll go another ten minutes. Or no, sorry, because I was about to say I'm running out of stuff to say. Because this, this is this is the problem when you and I have something that we both enjoy. Yeah, there's no debate. There's no debate. <laughs> there's just yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, it's all right. And you sort of get through your oh, this yeah. is I like this and I like yeah. that, and then you're like. Yeah. 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 No, that's fine. Well, I think it's important we are harmonious yeah. on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Have you got any other points, anything specific you want to raise? Or? No, there's stuff that I'll wrap up, but I'll probably, yeah. it's more going to be a summary of what I've said. Yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. So feel free to wrap up. Yeah. So, Wayne. Yes. Final thoughts out of. Ugh. So, Wayne. Oh, you want me to say yes? Yeah, sorry. Okay. No, that's okay. For me, this is five out of five. Yeah, nice one, mate. Nice one. I've been a Philip Hunting. And I've been a Wayne Stellini. And, and you've, you've just, just experienced, experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. Oh, you say that shit. No, you say cue music. Do I? You always say cue music. I always say cue music. I'm so yeah, tired. That's okay. Start again. Do we want to do, before we do that sign off? Yeah. Like you don't have to do anything to your final comments. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do a Merry Christmas thing? Or I do we, so. or after nice. you've been experiencing Fred Watch... We can go cue music. Um, no, let's do it before because it did feel a bit jarring. It felt in. sudden, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah okay. Yes, I'm giving myself a lead <laughs> Now to do it again. It's going to make you laugh. Eddie! <laughs> You're a dag. <laughs> Because I could see you doing the lead-in in your head, not wanting it to do out loud so I wouldn't laugh at you. <laughs> and I'm just mean that I just point out anyway. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, like five out of five. Okay. Oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll reply because I'll, yeah. you know, give you, you, um, you know, your pat in the back for giving me at five. Tiny Tim shall walk again. And I shall keep Christmas in my heart.